We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And last night, Lakers fell to the Bucks in Andre Drummond's debut and completely on brand with the Lakers uh, season so far. Andre Drummond gets his big toenail ripped off in his first shift. He said it happened in, in the first quarter and tries to give it a go, uh, looks Looks pretty good, I thought, in his first shift. Looked not good at all in his second shift. Tried to start, or didn't start the third quarter. Got a minute or two in, and then they sent him back to the locker room. He was done for the night. Mike, first off, what do we know about his toe injury? Dre was pretty specific with what was going on with it, and Brooke Lopez stepped on him in the first quarter. It was okay for the first minute or so. It started to hurt increasingly. By the second quarter, it hurt a lot. And he went in in halftime, took a shoe off, took a sock off, and his toenail was gone. So that wasn't awesome. Third quarter, comes out, tries to move a little bit, wasn't quite working, so he takes the sock off. And, and I'm so I'm getting ready to do my the thing I do where it's, you know, Stu tossed it down. Hey, what's, you know, what are we looking for in the third quarter? And I see out of the corner of my eye that Drummond's, that the trainer is now running to the back of the locker room and they're trying some different kind of tape job. So, you know, not ideal, but the bottom line is he was, as you said, Pete, not really able to do much on it in the third quarter. However, they went to the back, x-rays negative, so it was not a broken toe or anything like that, but it's painful. And so the, the question is, what does this mean for him 
moving forward. And we don't really know yet, but Drummond did say that he he was smiling, like he seemed like he wasn't. This wasn't somebody that was uh, that looked like he was going to be, you know, missing a ton of time. It's just going to he's going to have to deal with the pain uh, for a little bit while this thing heals, and the listing is going to be day to day. So we'll see how that plays out. But Darius, the the interesting part of it is that the Lakers got this real lift from his presence and not just not just sort of how he was playing, but I think just mentally having another uh, another piece of armor, another weapon that they could go to. And you saw it lift them. You know, they they come out in the first quarter. They played really well. It was 30 to 24 on the scoreboard. Got dudes are hitting threes. Guys are flying around. And then I think, as Pete mentioned, he comes back in in his second shift and isn't quite able to bring that same level. And I thought to an extent, at least that permeated through the rest of the team. And it was almost back into this mindset of, oh, OK, here we are again. You know, we got dudes injured. We got guys out. And and it just was kind of a I don't I'm a lazy is too strong of a word, but it just it, it just wasn't the same team. And I thought that carried into the second half as well. So I wondered if how you can parse what Drummond is, what he's going to be while still trying to figure out the context of this injury and how that seemed to clearly play a role. Yeah, so let me get to Drummond in one second. The progression of the game, I thought, was, to me, as much as, like, Milwaukee's really good, and they really, they'd lost three in a row, but before that, they had won eight games in in a row. And while the top of the East is is surging along just fine, right, with, with Philly and Brooklyn, I think Milwaukee is clearly starting to try to ramp up and get into the mode that we would hope that the Lakers would be at this point, right, where we're looking at like, oh, six weeks out from the playoffs, like it's, it's, it's time now. And, and so some of the flow of the game, while I think it did relate to sort of the deflating nature of what happened to Drummond, I also think the Bucks were just like, hey, it's probably time to like pick it up a level. And you mm-hmm. saw that defensively from them in the second quarter, especially. And then I think more in the second half, it was, oh, the Lakers are a bit shorthanded again. Drummond's out. And and it was a mix of both of those things, the quality of the Bucks and maybe the Lakers not being up to their normal standard. We also like made some shots, you know, <laughs> like yeah. we hit some threes, right? And sometimes it's as, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And I have said this on Twitter as well. It wasn't necessarily a surprise to me that the Lakers were getting open threes. The Bucks surrender a bunch of threes. It's part of their defensive game plan. I think going into the game, they were 27th in threes allowed and um, in three-point field goal attempts allowed and in opponent-made threes per game. And I think teams shoot like 37 or 38% against them on threes for the season, which is also a bottom 10 rank. And and so I think the Lakers came out confident that they were going to get threes and their guys shot with confidence and they made them. And while that is not normal for the Lakers lately, like I think it, it sort of lined up to me like, Hey, this is what the bucks do. And, and that's that Mike, did you want to chime in? I was just, I was just thinking the, the less charitable interpretation from what I was saying, it, it would be all of the three point makes early almost papered over a little bit what the game was going to eventually turn into. And, you know, the Lakers minus their top two stars playing against the Bucks at full energy, you know, is not going to be them up by six after the first. So that, that may be part of what you were getting at. Yeah. I just think that if we looked at 
if we looked at this game on on paper, just the last note about Milwaukee specifically and and this game before we get to Drummond, like I penciled this in as a loss, right? The Lakers are down their top two guys. Like Milwaukee, M- Milwaukee was also down PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis. Those are two rotation bigs, bigs for them. But in a way, it played into Milwaukee's favor because it meant more Giannis at center, which is something the Lakers are going to struggle with. And, and, and so in a big picture thing about this game, Pete, I just thought, hey, the Bucks are the better team. They're going to win win this game. And I wasn't looking for a win here. I was more focused on, on drum and what he could mean. Yeah, 100%. And I think that this applies to both games that we've already seen without LeBron and AD, last night's game and games going forward. It's really simple. If a team has a strong interior presence on the defensive end, we are going to struggle against them in this particular stretch because our shot creators in particular are, that's the common thread of Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, and Taylor Horton Tucker, who had, I think, 137 turnovers in his game last night that being able to seal off the paint and 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 be really strong five feet around the rim that really neutralizes what we do right that means that THT's got to shoot that pull up and shoot that floater Dennis has to do that too Trez doesn't have quite the physical mismatch that he may have against some second units right like they are the whole thing that Milwaukee does but it's not just them. Like New Orleans was an example of this as well, right? Teams that are big and strong and physical around the rim are going to give us problems, especially in this stretch, because we do not have the personnel to counter that. That said, we signed a big and strong yeah. dude, right? Uh, yeah. Mike, and so uh, you asked initially, Mike, I, I want to kick your question back to you of like parsing out what uh, from from Drummond's because I thought we saw a lot of what's good about him, what's bad about him. And I want to emphasize that we're in a period right now where a lot of external factors are working against him. No game. It hasn't played in a while. Uh, no LeBron and AD. The team just in general is kind of figuring it out on how to play without LeBron and AD. Uh, he's going to have more shot creation responsibilities. And that brings out a lot of the worst in him and the worst in his game. Now, I do think his playmaking was good. I'll get to that in a sec. Anyway, Mike, I would love to hear your thoughts on on like parsing that out. The first issue, I think, was he just he's playing against probably the worst matchup for him, not just yes. in terms of personnel, yes. which is Brooke Lopez and Giannis helping at the rim, but also those guys knowing exactly how to play him because they've seen him four times a year for the past, I mean, geez, yeah, seven years, right? Yeah, for his entire career. Yeah, his entire career. I'm I'm just trying to line up when Giannis got there and, and, you know, but this latest kind of incarnation of the Bucs, like once the Bucs got really good, you know, say like four years ago or something, and they know, okay, back off. Uh, let him ha- let him catch the ball. Let him try to go to, go to attack. They're, they didn't. The Lakers didn't have anybody who was going to run a super dynamic screen role, especially since you know Schuer has never played with them before. And I thought that that started to come out as his toe was hurting, and he couldn't eat, and he couldn't kind of make up for it with more bounciness, which I think sometimes he could in energy. Which in the first quarter he did like that. The the first play that I thought was he made an incredible play. He went to challenge Giannis. Giannis dropped off the ball and then Drummond's second jump recovered to swat. I think it was DiVincenzo at the rim, it was. Yep. which was just a great, and like, that's the kind of play that's like, okay, that's, you put that with LeBron with AD, uh, that's having another guy that can do that. Cause that's an AD thing, right? AD can do that. He can be in two places at once. 
and yeah. have two guys doing that. So that's that's kind of the great sign. I'm not going to worry that much about the offensive part of it because in in th- all of this has to do with LeBron and AD being back and not putting Drummond in those situations that he was in in Detroit, those situations he was in in Cleveland, where they don't have the personnel to create better opportunities for him, and he has to try and go do more of that stuff. So um, I, I thought it was some a lot of this was circumstantial, but I also you know he had one rebound in his 14 minutes. And again, part of that, I think was the biggest part of that was the toe. The second part of that was the Lakers were hitting all their shots in the first quarter. There weren't, weren't really offensive rebound opportunities and then Milwaukee knowing how to handle them. So I'm not able to take too much away from this. And I, it's just, uh, it's just unfortunate though, that w- the whole thing, because the toe isn't going to just magically heal for the next game. It's going to be something that's probably going to hamper him some moving forward. For me, let's, let's look at the good stuff first. Right. Like, I think that from a more national perspective on Drummond, I think the idea was, oh, this dude can score some. Right. And he's going to help the Lakers offense. I, I like I don't want to call those people casuals. Right. But but it is a more sort of like I, and I don't even want to call it less informed. I I think that when you think of a guy as like an all-star play, an all-star level player and a player who's been an all-star in the past, you almost always look to what they can do offensively. Um, the encouraging part to me was Drummond's engagement level and, and some of the fundamentals that he showed Pete defensively, right? I thought that he, for the most part, understood where he was supposed to be there were a couple of like rotation flubs that that he had but that's going to happen in your first game with with a new team um i like the way that he sat in his stance i like the way that he in pick and roll engagement where he's at the point of attack he i liked his overall positioning um his his deep stance and sort of jabbing at the ball reminded me of dwight a little bit that what what Dwight showed last season um I thought that he was doing a good job of recognizing what Milwaukee was doing within their schemes and in terms of coming off of of Giannis and Lopez at the appropriate times and in order to bump cutters and then re-engage and, and reactivate I liked his um willingness to challenge shots at the rim Right. So there were a lot of good things there. Um, I will say, though, that on the flip side of that, offensively, you can see his limitations as like an individual shot shot creator. Mm -hmm. And defensively, I think you see some of the like the anxiousness to like go and try and get after the ball some. And the Lakers have not had a guy like that on their roster this year right? Like sort of javelish at times in terms of his want to go after and, and attack a block shot and, and maybe go for a pump fake. And those are the, those are the give and takes, right? That you have with, with any sort of big, big man. I really liked his first shift though, Pete. Yeah. I, so in terms of recognition, I thought he was I I disagree with you a bit there in that I thought he was behind and there were a couple of reasons for that, right? Not playing a game in like, I don't want to act like he hasn't played a game in a year and a half, but uh, there's when you're with a new team and you haven't played in a little while, 
basketball is so fast paced mentally in terms of the decisions you make and the rotations that you make on the defensive end that if you're a split second behind that's the difference between a good team and a bad team it's very small and uh and so there were a couple plays like he lost Giannis on a a lob play um there were a couple of rotations where he was like am I supposed to go here oh no I'm going to the corner I got a close and it was a I think DiVincenzo they missed the shot but it was a late rotation by him where he kind of took a false step in in one direction and so I'm curious how much of that is some of that will be rectified with just familiarity getting back in kind of the flow and rhythm of playing and some of that is is part of his game right and so we'll see how that gets kind of parsed out I thought the the first play was telling from a a weaknesses standpoint right where we drew up a play we get get the new guy his first shift is uh, on the first play try to get him a lob and Dennis Schroeder threw a, a pass to Damian Jones and uh it was Andre Drummond who was supposed to catch it and he it went off of the the, t- the tips of his fingers he couldn't quite get high enough to get that that ball right and now we'll see if he's able to he's lost 10 10 to 15 pounds he says we'll see if he's able to get himself back into game shape and to the point where he's got a, a little more pop but we saw uh we saw some of that that said he's a big physical presence in a way like mark who we're going to get to in the second half uh, of the pod mark is a big guy but mark is not mobile in the way that drummond is and i thought it was really helpful in two aspects of of our game one is just screen setting um he wasn't like jump stopping and getting that wide base and 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 whatnot uh like in terms of technique but the routes that defenders had to go around part of the reason why we shot well like Kuz hit a pull-up three where middleton was on him and the their game plan was to go under that screen so that opens up the opportunity for a pull-up three but the route that Middleton had to take was a longer route and then Brooke has to close out it's just a more open shot for Kuz Kuz knocks it down there were a few plays like that Dennis hit a a pull-up jumper along the baseline where Drummond made really good contract contact on the screen and then that ability to dive to the basket which is what Mark doesn't have that ability to dive to the basket can collapse a defense and that's part of why we were able to shoot well in that in that first first run so uh he and i'll get to his playmaking in a bit but mike i'm curious just his ability to be a big mobile guy what impact do you think that has on the team in its current state before we get lebron and ad back yeah it just gives frank vogel some more latitude some more room some more options and i think that all of all of what you're saying makes sense and it's not too different from what we've seen from drummond throughout his career so we know we know what he is this is not a rookie this is not something that we haven't seen play and the all of the the specifics of what they want him to do within the offense and within the defense that's all that stuff's going to come and and that's and that's all fine but i just i still think it's an upgrade uh for the roster bottom line and and so i'm i'm a little bit less worried about all of that uh, and about the way that uh, sort of these these specific things that are going to come. I'm more thinking about the big picture. And I'll, I'll save that, though, and, and, and let Darius get in on that. And then, Pete, maybe you can make a point about the playmaking. And then I, there's a, actually Markeith Morris kind of broke down how this is all going to play out, which I thought was pretty good. He can get philosophical sometimes. Uh, I like Keith when he's like that. But, yeah, let's say I'm drumming, and then I'll get back to that. I think you make a good point about, like, just in general, the so, some of the role gravity and 
and the deep position that Drummond can establish as a big bod body and just sort of the angst that that can cause for a defense because I don't care what you teach your defense. Um, when a guy gets to a certain spot on, on the floor, instincts sort of kick in and you want to sort of be closer to that guy mm-hmm. or yep. collapse a little bit. It, it's, it's just human nature. That's what gravity is, right? Like, yes. is that like, as those players are making those split second decisions, it's like, oh, this big dude is three feet from the basket and has a seal on his guy, has him sealed behind him. You're going to take that extra step to just help a little bit more. And he might not touch the ball at all on that play, but it does have an impact on the rest of the team. That, that's that's exactly right. And, and I think some of the defensive angle stuff um, – is a well-made point just in terms of the routes that defenders will have to take when navigating screens by set by, by Drummond where I would push back a little bit is Drummond to me, didn't actually set a lot of good screens this game. No, no, he Uh, didn't like, and, and um, part of that is the combinations, right? Like, so um, I don't think Schroeder is like, the best sort of pick and roll partner for like over the court after watching him night after night after night, he is, he can be good, but he's not like plus like that's not a plus skill for mm-hmm. Wolf for him. And part of that is Schroeder's own skill set, right? Yeah. Like he is a yeah. speedster guard. He is not a, a good off the dribble shooter. Um, from distance, he can walk into a mid-range very well, but but that's a different thing. His shooting release is a little bit slower than I think that that what you would like. And and so from an individual game game plan perspective, I think defenses rightfully go under screens on him, which which and and he's not going to beat you with the same type of like pull up three that you were describing from Kuz, right? Which is a more active part of Kuzma's game. Um, that said, I thought Drummond could have probably set a little bit better screen, but then the guy he's trying to pick off is Drew Holiday, who is like a defensive monster and is probably one of the best screen navigators at the point of attack in the entire league. He gets skinny when he needs to, he takes the right angles, he gets under the way that he's supposed to, and he's just fantastic. And and, and so when I think it sort of goes back to the idea of Milwaukee being a tricky matchup in general, right? Because the ingredients that they have seem to be perfect counters for yeah. a lot of the sort of uh, margin weaknesses that the Lakers have with this version of their team. Um, so to me, it, it's like big picture. If there are things that I was looking at that like, oh, I'd like to see some of these things get sharper. Um, it would be like screen setting and, and, just general know-how, but that stuff is going to come, I think. Um, in the short term, though, I do sort of fear that the Lakers are going to have to play into Drummond, some of Drummond's lesser strengths or non-strengths. Witnesses. Right? Witnesses. Yes. We don't have to beat around the bush on that. There were a couple of drives to the basket where it was like, that, that wasn't going to work. And that is part of Andre Drummond's game, is the more you give him the ball, the more you ask him to create a shot, the more poor decisions that he's going to make. Phil, Phil Handy had, had made a comment on, uh, I, I, for, I forget what it was, but talking about uh, the angles, right? The angles that um, Drummond takes on his drives and how to improve those. And 
those are the types of things though that that's going to take time that's not something that you just show up in purple and gold and and it automatically rectifies himself, itself and like with the screens the screen setting i, I want to be clear in that i didn't i agree with you that he did not set good screens but the fact that he is a massive human yes. they're going under the screen and he's mobile he doesn't screen and stand he will dive to the basket that still has a, a great deal of utility the size and everything too mike i thought that just his just his general girth and mobility defensively it was just a difference like that second jump that you talked about in the first part of the pod and look jumping at all right <laughs> marcus all doesn't jump like his he's got tremendous hands but he is not a meet you at the top sort sort of player and so just seeing that element from a player of drum and size mattered in this game he challenged a couple of shots where he didn't get get the block but it's just like oh that's a miss from drew holiday that's a miss from chris middleton these are restricted area shots and it's drummond who was challenging those in in his first shift especially and those were misses and those things are going to matter and as the team gets healthier you can see a slotting for him that equates to a role where he could really be like a plus like like a net positive player for this team it's just in the interim it's going to be trickier mike i uh you know, we've, we're very zoomed in right now, trying to parse about parse 14 minutes, half of which, you know, the man had his toenail ripped off. Um, I would love to zoom out a little bit and hear some of Keith's big picture, uh, you know, big picture and, and from the player's perspective type of perspective. So what did he get into last night? He's an interesting dude. That's one of the, uh, yeah, he keeps it, keeps a great guy. I'd love to hear what he had to say about this. Yeah. So in Markeith and really I'll put myself too in my own, opinion of this all of the stuff that you guys just said while factual ideally isn't going to matter too much and yeah, yeah and that's the whole the whole point of why they got him so if we were breaking down what the lakers season was going to look like and they didn't have lebron ad and shooter was your starting point guard drummond was your starting center keith was your starting four Kuz, your like if this was the lineup now then there would be some issues like there that team would not be good enough uh, to right. beat a lot of the good teams it just wouldn't so yes that's going to be it's gonna we'll see how that plays out at, at this quote-unquote seven game road trip which is really a one game game trip to sacramento a home game against the clippers although it's you know it's a, their home game and then a five game trip east which is basically florida and new york um with a stop in charlotte on the way back so i here's what marquise said he, he was like First of all, he talked about his toe. He apparently had a toenail ripped off, and he said it took him a month and a half. I alluded to that earlier, but he said it's painful. You're not quite the same, um, but you can play through it. Everything's a little bit different, but we can expect that a little. And then he was asked about why he had sounded kind of optimistic in his summary of where the team can get to. And he's so. And what he said was, quote, it just makes for a better ending. That's how we look at it. Because somebody was like, hey, why, Keith, why – why is this happening to you guys? No LeBron, no AD, and then Drummond gets hurt. Isn't that doesn't that hit you guys mentally? He's like, nah, man. He's, and, and this this is part of also what Markeith. Markeith had a tough childhood uh, where it was just him and his brother. It was kind of them against the world, and that's a that's another story for another day. But he's he's not going to get worried or bogged down by something like a, a basketball loss, it, especially in the context of having what he believes 
to be the best team. So then the follow-up was, hey, what you just said about making for a better ending, why are you so optimistic? He mentioned, okay, LeBron and AD, the rest of us, we didn't have an offseason, longest season in regular season uh, history last year. And what LeBron and AD are getting right now, he said, quote, that's going to be real big for us, meaning they're going to get arrested LeBron and AD back. And so he's, and I think that he's absolutely right. It's part of what we've talked about the whole way through. When you're asking Drummond to do more, when you're asking Schroeder to do more, when you're asking THT to do more, we saw what that results in. It can be it can be enough to win games because they're really battling defensively against your Cleveland's, against your Orlando's. But when when it's against a Bucks defense, and I think Darius, I saw you tweet this with real active hands that is that is trying to to put you into certain spots in their in their half court. That's going to result in turnovers because these guys are doing more than what they typically would be doing at a high level of basketball uh, that, that Pete, that you always talk about. So that to me remains, it's the big picture is these guys aren't out for the season. They're coming back. Then we're going to slot in Darius parlance. We're going to slot Drummond to where he should be. We're going to slot Schroeder. THG may not get on the court all that much unless you need a specific thing against a specific matchup. Marcus Saul. Um, is going to like all of that stuff is going to play specific matchups and, and they'll be just fine, but they got to get there and hopefully they can win a game or two to, to maintain a, a relative spot in the standings. But yeah, there's the, there's the big picture Keith. Hey, we still feel like we're going to be all right. Yeah. And look, I think part of what we try to do on this pod, but I, th- I just think in general, uh, like all three of us, um, our, our, our perspective on things will oscillate right between like the thing that we're watching right now and analyzing that for what it actually is just as as that thing and then putting it into proper context for what it will be down the road and honestly Keith's Keith's perspective and I laud him for keeping a certain perspective that's really the mindset that they need to have anyway Mike, because if they get bogged down in, well, shit, we've lost, right? We, we've lost X and X number of games and, oh man, it's going to be another, how many weeks before LeBron is back or how many weeks before AD is back? And, oh, we, we going on the road to the, like, there's a lot of stuff and, oh, we still in the pandemic and we got to be at the facility at what time to test and right. And the mental drain of this season can catch back up to you like that. Right. And so navigating that from just a mental stand standpoint and keeping the right perspective. And as LeBron likes to say, keeping the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing in this case is the, is the end of the journey. And how do we navigate this path in order to get to the place that we want to go? And these are just the things, the barriers that we may need to overcome or the hurdles or the challenges that we need need to face. Yes, we'll be on the front lines for that right now. And we're going to wait for our generals to get back to us, right? In order to lead us to where we want to, well, to go. And, and honestly, Again, I laud him for 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 taking that that perspective because in some ways other people may not, right? Like they may get bogged down 
and start to feel the wear and tear of of what this in the moment feeling is. And, and in some ways, you do have to compartmentalize that or else you will get lost a little bit. And this is part of what happens with young teams versus vet teams. If the rest of this roster was all young guys, that's when you start to get the, oh, man, th- this is really building like this sucks. Uh, what are we what are we supposed to do? But then you get that's where you get the vets. You get you get Keith, you get Marcus all you get Jared Dudley on the bench. You know, you get AD on the bench like these guys like got everybody calm down, chill. It's fine. You take you. You have you can't just react to what you're seeing in the moment. And it's so difficult to do for us. And I think we're three of the people that are that are better at zooming out. But it's really tough to do. And that's I think they got a little lost in in the Drummond injury just as another deflating point in that game. And it happened to come against a team that they may have lost to anyway. They probably would have lost to anyway. Right. Because they're good. But that's now what I think they'll they'll go to Sacramento and they will find a way to respond, um, I think, to that. And they'll they'll play better. They're not going to get down. So that's that's I think going to be more of the character of this team as opposed to a young team. There are two things that I look for in my rewatches and on the melts that really speak to what you're talking about there with the veteran presence. And they're, they're related to each other and they're important counterbalances is one. You can't just take the approach of, Oh, we're just going to wait until LeBron and AD come back. And these games don't really matter. The guys are competing. They're playing hard. They are, they are trying to win these games. They're not good enough to win most of these games as presently constructed for many of the reasons that we've laid out. On the other hand, I'm also looking for signs of frustration and bickering. That is something that as you lose, it's everyone's in a good mood when you win. What happens when you've won two out of your last few games? And I think that we've got a big challenge coming up with the schedule getting really tough. There were three games that I looked at uh, when kind of looking ahead at LeBron's going to be out for this long. AD is going to be out for that long. Who do we got coming up? I I circled the Cleveland game, the Orlando game, and the Sacramento game as we got to try to get these. And hopefully we can steal one more. We got Sacramento coming up on Friday. We're two for two so far with that third one coming up. Um, And and we've competed in each of these games. And the bickering isn't there. This team is still in a good mood. They're still uh, believing themselves. But you can get too far in that direction of the, oh, everything's fine. LeBron's NAD are going to come back. And it's this magical panacea that's going to fix everything. You want these guys to be frustrated with losing, Pete. Yes. Right. But not frustrated with each other. With each other. Exactly. For making mistakes. And I think that there is on every team, on every team, and social media loves to highlight this stuff, right? On every team, there's going to be a heated discussion about a defensive rotation. There's Mm -hmm. going to be a heated discussion about whether or not you were in the right place offensively, right? Like Heated discussions are good, though. It's when they're talking to each other that is more problematic. Yes, those are the things that people love to be like, oh, like, did you see? Did you see these guys, like, yelling at at each other? And my counter to that is, is, yeah, have you ever competed? For anything in your life right like because i sure as hell have like not at the nba level but look i've been in i've i've played in basketball games i've had teammates i've i've been frustrated with a thing that's that's go going on i 
I've known what I'm supposed to be doing. I've known what the other guy is supposed, supposed to be doing. And when I mess up, I'm hoping someone is telling me, like, I need you to do this, right? And if someone else is messing up, I want to be the guy who is leading and saying, look, we need, we need to be better here, right? Because we're competing and we're in the moment. And so let's get after it. Like one of the guys who I've been super impressed with in that regard is Wes Matthews, right? Now we'll talk about Wes pro probably another time, um, but he's been competing hard as hell. Yeah, and for a while now, we got to talk about him soon. Yeah, and he's been playing better, right? But that sort of and it's one of the reasons why I like the West signing to begin with. And you can go all the way back to our discussions about him early on during the season. But but that sort of like, nah, man, like we're going to get after it. And the Lakers still have a lot of those guys that are going to get after it every single night. And, and so, Pete, why don't you take us to break? Because I'd love to sort of like close out the pod a little bit to just talk about like, what the rotation might look like to talk about Marcus Saul to talk about where things go over this next stretch of games and, and, and see what's what with this roster. Yeah. Big change to the rotation. Uh, let's, let's go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk, uh, talk about Mark. If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. 
Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So after we signed Drummond uh, and in the, the lead up to his first game, we discussed, hey, we've got three centers. We've got Anthony Davis at the five, which is one of the most potent weapons in, in all of the NBA. How does this all work? How does, does it impact everyone? Uh, Frank Vogel said in the pregame that he thought that Marc Gasol and Montrez Harrell could play together, but that it was unlikely in the Milwaukee game as a result of the matchups and, and whatnot, which was interesting. And I'm curious to see if that that works out that way. But we Mark was a DNP until the beginning of the fourth quarter, I believe it was. And uh, and that was a result of Drummond's toe injury. So. Typically in the NBA, if you don't play in the first half, you are not scheduled to play in the second uh, half of that game. And a lot, a lot of people on on Twitter in, in particular were were really taken aback by that, going from a starting position to the bench. He also, Mark, also declined to speak with the media in the post game. He's a competitor. He's a, a champion. He's somebody that I would not expect to be happy with going from starting to the bench. Uh, he wouldn't be a champion and a competitor without that. That said, uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts to this. And Mike, I would love your uh, initial thoughts on just what appears to be a move of Mark out of the rotation for now. We'll see how that transpires over uh, over more games. But he, he wasn't in it last night. Yeah, I don't I think this is as expected. Uh, we we discussed this in the previous pod. You can't yeah. really play all three of those guys every night. You just can't. And especially when Anthony Davis comes back. So. I said whether it's Marcus Gasol or same thing with Marquise Morris, most likely uh, when AD gets back, it's it's going to be tricky to play both of those guys certainly every night. And what what Frank has been consistent with doing though is that he doesn't want to lose guys completely from from the and not just not mentally but even physically, just getting out there, getting on the court. And we saw tonight that especially in this NBA season, you are going to need more than your typical 10-man rotation um, on a given night, whether it's injuries, whether it's whether it's uh, contact tracing, whatever. And so against Milwaukee, Frank was not going to go to the huge second lineup with Gasol at the five on defense, Harrell at the four on defense, Gasol at the four on offense and Harrell at the five on offense, which is something that that's what I had basically asked him about. Hey, can you play these two together? And he's like, yeah, I do think that you can, but it's not going to be against a small second unit. And most teams now, it seems like we could go through them one by one. I don't think we, don't think we need to do it right now, but most teams do go smaller now with their second yeah. units. Um, there are some teams that stay big though. And against those teams, I think that's more of the recipe of a Gasol. Or the flip side to that is Drummond gets two early fouls playing against somebody like the Bucks, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And then instead of going to Harold, you could always, you could bring Gasol into a game like that. So I think he's going to be looking for chances to get Mark 
minutes here and there, but it's not going to be a regular rotation place, just period. And same thing, as I mentioned, once AD and LeBron get back, that's going to trim the minutes of, of a couple other guys on the bench, whether that's West Matthews at times, whether that's Markeith Morris, uh, the, the regulars are going to be Kuzma for sure. And Caruso, I think for sure. And then Harold, and that's, that's right there. That's eight. And then, so how do you get to your 10, which guys do you use? I think it's going to depend game by game. And this is assuming by the way, that everybody's available, which hasn't seemed to be the case for most teams other than basically Utah in uh, Phoenix this year in terms of full health. So I think it makes sense. I don't think there's a problem with it. I don't think Marcus Saul, I think he gets it. I don't think he's mad or upset. He, he declined to speak to the media. That's not the first time that's happened this year. It's not because of the Drummond thing. I, I think sometimes these guys are just like going on another zoom call. I think just becomes like all of us, aside from you guys, you know, where we come on our, which is basically a zoom call. And I like seeing your faces every time. I, I, for a while was doing right when the pandemic started, if you allow this a little aside, when it seemed like we weren't ever going to see anybody again, I was doing like, I had a college friends zoom. I had a high school friends zoom, you know, and we kind of did it regularly for the first couple of weeks. And then it just got to the point where like, okay, that's enough zooms. <laughs> and so I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit more into that as opposed to like Mark didn't want to take questions about, you know, uh, about the, the role and it being decreased or whatever. While I could totally see that perspective, Mike, even if the reason he didn't talk to media or, or declined to speak was because like just right on his face. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. I know what questions are going to come and I'm not like, it's been one game. Like I don't want to talk about this right now maybe he feels like he doesn't necessarily have the insight at this point and maybe he doesn't want to be a distraction or cause a problem in that way so i think that there is always this want and sometimes want can turn in the expectation that we're sort of entitled to hear these these things and some of that is like fan fan perspective because we're interested and some of that is like oh well this keeps the machine going right but look marcus saw he is a veteran when he decided to sign it wasn't like uh, oh yeah and guess what halfway through the season andre drummond is going to get bought out and you're going to go from starting to not playing how do you feel and let's stick a mic in front of your face like how about no how about we're not going to talk about that, right? You're going to have your opinions on this regardless of what I say. So how about I'm just not going to talk about this yet. Mark will talk at some point, and I'm sure that he'll be diplomatic. I'm sure that he will say all, all of the right things. He is a long-term veteran with media savvy, and he can be cutting and honest at times. And maybe he felt like, you know what? Maybe after this Bucks game, my first game back, Right. In terms of this situation playing out, maybe that's not the best time for for me to talk. And if that was the case, good for him. Like, I couldn't care, care less about that. What I do care more about is the is all of the stuff that is going to be on Vogel's plate to try to make it work. And can Harold and him actually play play together and flip-flop roles on both sides of the court, right? Where where Mark is playing more of a spacer offensively and Harrell is playing more of a post role offensively and can Mark 
with his defensive versatility, maybe like take the more difficult defensive option, or even if that's the spacing player, right? So that Trez can be more at home as, as a more paint bound defensive player. We'll see, right? Like I thought Mark played well in his little shift against the bucks did he play great like uh, like whatever i thought he played fine and there were a couple of things that he did from an iq perspective that i thought were really good and this is just what's going to happen man the lakers went for a talent grab and they got andre drummond and drummond is going to help their team i still think mark can can help the team it's just going to be tricky in terms of sorting it all out and that's vogel's job like we'll see how it goes it's been one game and i think i'd, I'd love to lay out kind of the decisions that Vogel has in front of him and why would Mark go from starting to being out of the rotation this is something again that I was saying the couple pods leading up to this that I think that that's the most elegant solution to this situation and that is not at all an indictment on Mark Gasol so this is my question for for you guys for the listeners in general the thing that we have lost a lot of this season is continuity. It has been impossible due to the injuries since AD went down. And even before then, when he was moving a little, you know, uh, he was moving gingerly, but he, but you, when a guy is out in total, you can't build that chemistry between Dennis and AD. You can't build all of the little connective tissue that, that happens over the course of a season where you play with a guy enough and you're like, Oh, I know he's going to do that. Like, and so putting Mark in with the second year, Mark has played well. Mark has been good. Mark has been Mark. Like Mark has been exactly what I expected him to be in this, in this situation. But if Drummond comes in to start, which I would argue is the right decision to make off the top, he's a, a better player, a more talented player. And he fits, I think he fits the other guys more Putting Mark with the second unit and Trez at the four, that's a big change too. And in a season in which we are lacking so much continuity, for example, in the short term, I think Mark, as disorganized as we are in offense, Mark is like the one guy that we have that can really get offense. I would argue that in terms of offensive organization, he's our best player right now. In, in, uh, in just getting the troops kind of rounded up and, oh, this action didn't work. It flows immediately over to the weak side. I'm going to swing it over there, right? Like he knows how it's supposed to work. As, uh, as Mike always says, he's like, it's basketball. And he has a very like, duh, type of way about him to that. He's a really brilliant player. And right now he would be very helpful to that. So Vogel is faced with the choice, Mike, of do I serve the right now more or do i try to look toward the long term look toward and build some of that connective tissue that so that when ad and lebron come come back there are things that you will still be doing uh you mentioned like the the chemistry between schroeder and, and drummond darius Schroeder rejecting screens and Drummond rolling to the rim, that's going to be, I think, a big thing, even once LeBron and AD come back. I think that's where they will, and that's where Dennis was at his best, was on those baseline drives. Now he's more of a top-of-the-key player because he has to be because there's no LeBron, right? So there's a philosophical choice, Mike, of what what are you trying to accomplish with the team in general that is not an indictment on Marc Gasol at all, but he is a very different type of player than – 
than our bench unit is. And it causes a domino effect for everybody else. So I that's why I've thought that it's the better decision to take him out of the rotation, even though he's still a good player, because we've got bigger things to bigger fish to fry, you know? Yeah, and he basically is out of rotation. So just because Frank acknowledges that he could get some playing time here and there, it could right. work with Gasol and right. Harold. That's just him keeping everybody engaged. So for the for the most part, he's out of the rotation. But what I'm what I'm saying is that Frank Vogel is never going to keep a an exact structured. Here's the first unit. Here's the second unit because right. he. As we saw last year, he's going to find ways to keep guys engaged in case he needs them at times. And we saw that last year with Marquise Morris, when all of a sudden he just he was the answer um, as the small ball five. And then another series, he wouldn't play hardly at all. We saw it with Dwight Howard. We saw it with JaVale McGee. So he's he's not going to just kind of kick Mark to the curb and say, hey, thanks. He He's a good enough player where on a certain night, Frank's going to try to find a way to, to keep him involved and keep him engaged. And that's all. And it might be when AD comes back, maybe he's not playing back-to-backs or like something like that. And then on those nights, maybe he's going to try to find more uh, minutes. Maybe Drummond, if the toe continues to be an issue and he's not going to, and the Lakers have four games in five nights, maybe Marcus all gets the start in one or two of those games and you, you let Drummond recover. So it's just, it's an overall approach that I think Frank has of keeping the guys that he might need at a, in a playoff spot engaged. And then, Pete, to your point about continuity, which is a good one, I think the Lakers are a bit of an exception. And re- really, maybe it's LeBron is a bit of an exception to the continuity principle. And so is the style of play for this Lakers team. Their style of play is kick your ass on defense with a ton of energy and effort, get up and down in transition, and then rely on their stars in the half court, for the most part, if, if you had to like really boil it down. And that style, continuity doesn't matter as much. Because guys can just come in and fill their spot. Run, KCP, run the lane, shoot the three when you got it, uh, get over screens, you know, do that stuff. Wes Matthews, you can do that too. A team like Utah that runs a bit more uh, a system, that's going to require greater continuity and units playing together and guys figuring out how to play because they don't have that high-end star power where they're just going to be able to get a shot. So I think that ideally, yes, Continuity of a roster is great, but remember the Lakers started. What did they start, Darius, last year? Twenty-two and three, or something, with a completely new squad. LeBron, AD, never played together before. You know, uh, D- Danny Green never played with anybody there before, and and they can't lose because they're talented. They've got LeBron, so I I think that's the way that th- that's the way that this specific Lakers team can operate, and it is unconventional compared to how teams are usually going to have to go in the NBA to win games. I do feel for Gasol here because like you said, Pete, he is a, he is a quality veteran guy. And if you go back to the end of Toronto season last year, there were a lot of questions going into the off season about whether or not Gasol was going to play in the league at all. Right. Like there were those rumors flying that he could go back to Spain and play in Europe and end his career there. Pal's doing that right now. Right. And and the thought was like, oh, there's still some out some open questions about him to and it was to the point that when the Lakers got linked to him, I think we were all a bit surprised, like, oh, the Lakers are potentially they're in on Mark Gasol. Like it, it was it it was surprise and excitement 
like but the but the surprise i think came first right like oh like that's a that's a thing and so now for it to come sort of full circle and and him to be out of the mix again um that's a tough thing to to adjust to um but pete i think this was a good point that you made um really a few pods ago and it was before i think drummond was even in the mix but you had said that the lakers were sort of moving into a new direction with what they were doing offensively yeah. and this was coming out of the all-star break i think and really going to more pick and roll stuff and and finding an identity that was probably moving more away from what gasol's skill set is and i think that that only gets amplified now that drummond is in the mix and um you can't you like you can't quote unquote split the baby this way right like at at some point there's a fork in the road and you have to choose which way you're you're going to go about it i'm i'm working on a piece right now about the lakers defense and some of it i don't want to call it an indictment against gasol because it's not i think it's reflective more of what the lakers ross roster is right well right now but the lakers at their best defensively are hunters yes. there and i use that word all the time yes and there has been a little bit more of hunting against them going on this season. And I think part of that is Gasol. I think part of that is Trez. Trez. Mm -hmm. I think part of that a little bit is Schroeder. Yep. Right. Like um, I think part of that is like the fact that the Lakers are starting a smaller backcourt now and a less physical backcourt. There is just a less imposing. I'm giving away my whole article now, the, <laughs> but the Lakers are a bit less imposing this season. And I think in his heart of hearts, if you gave Vogel the truth serum, he would say, look, man. I want to play smash mouth basketball and I want to get back to that. And the way to get back to that is to play a more physical style. And I think it's one of the reasons why he was probably excited to get a player of Drummond's physical attributes. Um, go ahead, Mike. So two things on this. First of all, with Mark, and here's the disclaimer. I love all Gasols. Okay. We, that's well-documented. Go a long way back with Powell. But Mark Gasol is the sixth oldest player in the NBA this year. Um, just after LeBron James. So it's we, we don't have to do the whole, and, and I think Mark knows this too, feeling sorry for him and what his role, like this is what happens. In fact, the fact that he's still on a roster and could start is phenomenal. It shows his incredible brilliance as a basketball player to still be able to hold on there. So there can't, this has to be a, this is championship or bust season. There's no feeling sorry. This is the main thing is the main thing, Darius, as you said earlier, as LeBron says all the time, and that those things can exist at the same time. And I, I know you guys feel the same way. So we can, but I'm not, I didn't approach this season thinking like you have to, you have to treat Marcus Saul a certain way, aside from just with respect, which he deserves, but he doesn't just get to nobody on this team, aside from LeBron or AD gets to guaranteed start and get, gets minutes. Well, Mike, all the reporting around Drummond coming to, to the Lakers was that, Hey, you know, who's lobbying him to come LeBron and AD. Right. And they're smart enough to understand the dynamic, like the shift in dynamics that's going to happen if Drummond comes to to the team and they understand that it's just like, look, this is if we want this, 
then that tells you everything you need to know about the direction of where things are going going to go. And just like I talked about giving Vogel the truth serum earlier, if you give LeBron the the truth serum, you won't even have to. He will say this in in post-game media availability whenever he's asked about like a teammate's role, right? He will basically be like, yeah, guess what? Man up, man. It's time to do like it's time to do your job and accept your role because the where we're going, where we want to go and where we're going, because his confidence is is that way. But where we want to go is here. So get on board or or don't, but don't really isn't an option. So get on board, right? Accept what needs to be done. Exactly. And any contending team would have done the same. It's got nothing to do with who's starting uh, or even who's coming off the bench. If you can get Andre Drummond, 27 years old, to come to your roster without giving up anything, you just do it. And then you you let the coach figure it out from there. The second point, Pete, is about physicality and kind of building off of what Darius said. I watched Brooklyn play. I don't, th- did I, I don't think I made this point the other day. I'm getting old. Did I, did I talk about watching Brooklyn and Minnesota the other day? Only in our group chat. Okay. Only in okay, our group so- chat. So I'm watching the Nets play the Timberwolves and the Timberwolves down the stretch have Anthony Edwards, who is already at age 19, a physical monster. He's, he's yeah. just super athletic, super bouncy, super wide. Um, Cat is in there in the middle. And then Jaden McDaniels, who is a deep cut, but like, remember that name a little bit. I like okay. him a lot. Yeah. He's nice. I, like man. He's him nice. In, I saw him as a high school player, actually. Yeah, I like him. Oh, did you really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. he's bouncy. He's long. He's athletic. So so those three were in there. And then they had alternating uh, Jalen Noel, who is a another kind of just athletic, kind of big guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, beast. And, and the, the Nets were having trouble with him. And my and as I'm watching this, especially in the fourth quarter, now part of it was Brooklyn had taken their foot off the gas. Like, you know, Harden knew that he was going to be able to get the shot, whatever. They end up winning by a couple points. Um, Kyrie gets free throws at the end. But I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, Drummond, AD, LeBron, and then big guards, whether it's Caruso, whether it's KCP, Matthews, and even Schroeder kind of qualifies a little bit. To, like, he's not big, but he's – He's um he's athletic. He's tough. He's intense. Yeah. You know, he, so he'll put pressure on the rim, right? Which yeah. kind of plays into they do it in a different way than he does. But yeah. And so whatever your group is there, that is a just beast of a group physically for a team like Brooklyn to have to deal with over the course of seven games, or a team like the Clippers to have to deal with over the course of seven games. And and I do think like the Lakers, they they have plenty of those lineups even without Drummond. But when he, especially with Drummond. That that to me is exactly exactly what Darius was saying. Smash mouth, intense, deep, like just pound away at you and good luck hanging with that group over the course of a series. Yeah, that's I, I talked a lot last year about the idea of stacking upon a strength and the the presence of Drummond physically. It's not just him, right? We can zero in on one player, but it's if you're having to box out Andre Drummond who's the guy next to him that has to box out Anthony Davis and who's the guy next to him that has to do that with LeBron James. And it's not just on box outs. There are, and that's what the Lakers conceptually with the roster construction, it is kind of a, a counter to small ball and the small ball revolution, right? We, you mentioned how there aren't a lot of big second units in the NBA. Most teams have like one really big, physical athletic dude maybe two 
Um, and then everybody else has to be able to shoot, right? Has to be able to shoot the three ball. In some ways, we are a counter to that. Like, oh, we look around the league. There's all these teams that do that. Well, what if they just can't keep us away from the basket? And there are a multitude of ways in which that can be the case. And we're fast enough from the basketball. No, don't say any of it. Like, like just think about if you're lined up next to somebody and there's a loose ball and it's either it's Drummond, it's AD, it's LeBron, it's like Caruso. It's it's, you're not going to get too many 50, 50 balls, right? That's right. That's absolutely right. And then that means we run. And then you've got a, you've got Andre Drummond on the defensive end boxing out, cleaning up defensive glass, and AD has challenged the shot, and he keeps running. How often have we seen that? And he's got a seal against a guard or a forward who just physically can't compete with him. What can happen now is that can be the reverse, and it's Andre Drummond who's given a hard closeout and just keeps running and is sealing. And so there are all of these circumstances within the course of a basketball game in which you might be able to handle any of those individual guys, but it's that guy and Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, and Montrez Harrell, where eventually you just run out of guys. And that's actually one of the things I love about how Brooklyn's built their team, because they've done it in another way. Because maybe you're able to to guard KD a little bit. Nobody can guard KD you know, like, like LeBron, but maybe you can do it a little bit. Maybe you got a guy who can handle James Harden. Maybe you have a guy who can give Kyrie some issues. There aren't a lot of teams, I would argue, that we're the best equipped to do this with our defensive guards. There aren't a lot of teams who can have that with all three so like some dude who's not your best defender is stuck on freaking Kyrie Irving it's the same premise for us but on the interior yeah I wrote about this last year in the playoffs as a little ode to Markeith Morris right just like how his sort of unique ability to shoot the ball offensively but be sort of a physical rugged player defensively um at with his toughness and his mentality, how that allowed the Lakers to basically be anything they wanted on, on the floor at any give, given time. And the Lakers got away from that. Some with their roster construction this year, just in terms of the overall imposing nature and physicality that they bring to, to the table. Again, it didn't make them a worse team. It made them a different team. And it's, I think that's been one of the themes that I've been trying to push this year about the Lakers getting Drummond sort of pushes the Lakers back in that direction of, yeah, you know what? We're going to try to just punish you. We're going to try to pun punish you with, with size, with physicality, with, and even if Drummond alone isn't the most imposing player, right? Just like you said, Pete and Mike, you were make, making this point as well, is line him up next to these other players, even some of the guards that the Lakers have, and say, yeah, well, now, guess what? You you just ran Alex Caruso off, well, off of a screen, and now it's Wes Matthews who's standing in front, in front of you. Oh, you got through Wes Matthews? Here's LeBron stepping up in the lane. Oh, LeBron... You you kick out now, right? And then LeBron closes out. And let's say you 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 beat LeBron. Well, now here's Anthony Davis who who is stepping up in front of you. And that sort of defends you in waves and rotate and bringing another physical dude, another physical dude, another physical dude. And then suddenly the shot clocks at three, Pete. And you've talked about a lot when the Lakers are at their best defensively. It's just like, oh, damn, where'd the shot clock go? 
and now you're forcing up a jumper, like a contested jumper against a team. And it is Anthony Davis who closed out and now is sprinting middle lane and getting a middle steal underneath the basket. And, and, and it's LeBron looking up for the throw ahead pass, right? And it's all of these things that sort of cascade on, on itself. And that's the big idea that the Lakers are chasing, I think, here. The flip side of that is, is that that is the big picture. And in zooming back in, the Lakers have some work to do, and it's going to be a challenge for these guys in in the short term, right? And and there's going to be some frustrating nights, and there's going to be some like, oh man, he just couldn't get to that lob, or oh that rotation was 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 off, and that's the tricky part of navigating this specific stretch of the season without the guys that the Lakers have out. Yeah, that's absolutely what these next couple of weeks will almost certainly look like, especially with a, you know, toenail, uh, sans a toenail, like that's not going to help with mobility and jumping and catching lobs and things like that. And we're, I think we're going to go through a, a rough patch in up, up until the point AD at least comes back. Um, and that's okay. That said, the Marcus Gasol's story with the Lakers is nowhere near over. The five spot is as matchup dependent as any position in the NBA. And in a playoffs that's going to feature Nikola Jokic, that's going to feature Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid on the other side of things, even this Milwaukee team. Well, even DeAndre Ayton, Pete. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton. Right, right, right. Or even at Kristaps Porzingis. Like these are all sort like I'm talking about the rangey, like the range of types of big men. And so when you talk about his story's not not over that applies to every player on the roster right because you need you need those relief pitchers that have different stuff to to go after these guys 100 percent. i would just say though that the center spot in particular is more matchup dependent like there's no team that wes matthews can't play against right there's most of the guys on our roster are able to play against uh whatever match you know whatever type of team but at that five spot it's really dependent on what type of bigs the other team has in terms of how you counter them and mark will i i think be a big part of, of at least one playoff series that we're going to be involved in so um yeah i think we're in for a bit, a bit of a rough patch but i think that this time right now is about building that connective tissue even that continuity even if it can't be achieved on a team-wide basis dennis and, and drummond figuring out you know their their role lanes they had you know one for a layup for Drummond last night they had a nice ball screen just building off of successes learning what works learning what doesn't I think these next couple of weeks are very valuable even if it's going to be a bumpy ride and even if Mark isn't a part of that now I think he's going to be a big part of uh, of at least one playoff series that that we're in anyway uh We'll be here to cover it all. Got a, got a game coming up on Friday and another one on Sunday. We will be back on Monday with the next episode. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bad next for the winner. It's on the way. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Jack with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. 
a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Miss it. It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.